Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back after a long hiatus for another Tiger basketball podcast. It's a triumphant one, a vindicated one. I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. Memphis has beaten the NCAA uh, they prevailed in their IARP ruling. It went, I, can't, I I would venture to guess, better than anyone. Certainly better than I anticipated. Certainly better than I, I'm going to put words in your mouth, Jason, better than you anticipated. Uh, and I'd venture to guess better than maybe even Memphis anticipated. Uh, no postseason ban. No suspension for Penny Hardaway. No scholarship reductions. And in fact, the IARP said outright like the entire investigation was basically bogus because they deemed uh, that the quote unquote impermissible benefit that the NCAA enforcement staff claimed Memphis uh, claimed Penny Hardaway gave to James Wiseman was not in fact an impermissible benefit. Um, So we're going to dive into all of that, break it down for you, the decision. Uh, And then because now this black cloud is, is that was hovering over Memphis basketball is gone. We can now look ahead to the start of uh, what should be another exciting season of Memphis basketball coming off of Penny Hardaway's first NCAA tournament berth last season. Um, Practice is underway now this week, and uh, we'll get you ready for what to expect uh, this preseason and heading into heading into the year with a, a Tigers team that is a, a new look Tigers team. There's some, there's a few returning pieces, but a lot of new faces. So lots to get to in this podcast uh, today. Muns, let's start here though, with the IARP decision after almost three years later, um, it ended up being much ado about nothing. Uh, Memphis comes out unscathed by and large. They get a small fine, three years of probation, but by and large, it worked out about as well as you could have hoped, maybe better than you could have hoped. Um, what was your reaction, I guess, to what we learned yesterday with the IARP ruling? So I can uh, speak about my reaction. I can also uh, and will also provide a little insight into uh, how the news landed inside the athletic department at the University of Memphis. But I'll start with myself. Um, I was, as you alluded to earlier, I was very surprised. I was expecting, um, I don't want to say I was expecting much worse, uh, you know, for the University of Memphis or Penny Hardaway. Um, 
I, I would say that for Penny Hardaway to have been completely absolved uh, of any and all wrongdoing throughout this entire um, ordeal, uh, you know, like I was at first blush, I was a little bit, I was, I was somewhat surprised. Sure, I'll admit it, I was somewhat surprised, but. You know, after reading through the decision and everything and like understanding the uh, hearing panel's uh, rationale, I get it. Like, I understand why they decided what they decided when it comes to Penny Hardaway and his, uh, you know, uh, I spoke to his lawyer who also kind of explained uh, the crux of their defense and the fact that he he has been a very giving philanthropic individual as far back as the early 90s and therefore um you know the money that uh not only james wiseman and his family received but also a couple of other uh uh future tiger basketball players uh received before they came to the university of memphis it was you know the 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 phrasing that kept jumping out to me in the decision was that the complex, the investigators could not prove that the money that Penny Hardaway gave to those players and those players' families was not generally, quote, generally available to, you know, the, 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 in particular, the youth of the Memphis community. Um, You know, Penny's uh, legal representation established that 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 he's got a history of of you know giving of being very giving and um, and not just to prospective student athletes, but to people across all walks of life and uh, and whatever. And and so, yeah, I mean, like I expected, I expected him to get punished in some way shape or form but then in light of those details in light of that defense you know i can see why he didn't um i i also would say that that it, it's it was and probably still is to a little bit to a certain degree surprising that at the very least memphis did not get one scholarship reduction um you know i can see the no postseason ban i can see obviously now the no you know penny hardaway not getting suspended um i i can i can understand you know sort of tangentially why they didn't get any sort of recruiting um limitations placed on them like having certain you know a number of official visits permitted reduced uh that that sorts of thing you know like that sort of thing um you know, like you, you can only go out on the road X number of times as opposed to the full number of times. Like I can see why that stuff, you know, I can see why that I can understand why that stuff didn't happen. But I I did sort of feel like maybe one scholarship reduction. Well, I think it came down to this. I mean, the reality was I and this is where I think Memphis really benefited from being part of the IRP process. You know, the reality was everyone you applied common sense to this knew three years ago, Penny Hardaway did not give James Wiseman's mother $11,500 because he was trying to entice James Wiseman to come to Memphis. He was not the Memphis coach. He was doing it so he would come play at East High High School. And so the reality was 
was that and and what the NCA initially what initially set all this off in terms of the NCA poking around was they deemed Penny a booster because of his one million dollar donation to the school back in 2008 for the Penny Hardaway Hall of Fame and boosters aren't allowed to give money to prospective student athletes who wind up at the school. But the truth is, is like Penny wasn't acting as a booster when he gave James Wiseman's mother that $11,500. And what I appreciated about the IRP is like they applied common sense to the ruling. Like, yeah, I guess by the letter of the NCAA rule book, he's a booster and boosters can't give money, but they, that. Like they applied common sense of well, Penny Hardaway's one not a normal booster in the city of Memphis, and two, he was acting as the coach at East High School, um, and so that's what I really appreciated about the decision. And to your point, they basically said like, I, I what I thought was amazing about it is if you look, read through the seventy three pages, you know they essentially say like, hey, NCA committee on Inf- or NCA enforcement staff. You know, you didn't prove anything here. You, you know, you may believe certain things, but you didn't really actually prove anything here. You didn't prove that this was a recruiting inducement. Um, And so that's where I, you know, and I think Memphis ultimately really benefited from the fact that the people adjudicating this case were like mediators and, you know, non-NCAA folks. And maybe, you know, maybe, you know, it helped them in ways that might be, you know, some might view as like, man, Memphis really skated by here because, you know, they were naive to certain things in the NCAA right. world. But at the same time, I also think they applied some common sense that this process is badly needed for decades. So well, to your point, to your point uh, like taking it even a step further, you know, Penny Hardaway is not a normal booster. Like, like they even, you know, took steps to point out that, Penny Hardaway didn't even know he was a booster until this investigation began. Um, and not only that, he was he was inadequately or he, he was essentially inadequately educated upon being hired uh, by the university's, you know, uh, by the university. Like they failed to, to let him know that he was a booster. Um, you know, or he, that he was classified as a booster. So, yeah, it was just a lot of common sense that really that that the NCAA has has you know. I mean, like th- th- this is one of the main reasons why the IARP was created is is so that so that common sense could enter into the equation because for so long it felt like the NCAA didn't apply it or it didn't apply it enough. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, but so, you know, you asked me also, uh, you were, you were going back to your question about, was I surprised? I, I, I've had some discussions over the last 24 hours with some people and, and I can tell you that, you know, yeah, this was somewhat surprising to the fans and maybe, you know, maybe to some fans, it was surprising. Maybe to some media, it was surprising. It was surprising to the university of Memphis. Um, mm-hmm. like, like, I think it was surprising to all of college sports, to be quite honest, that yeah, I, yeah. like I, that's my my feeling on it based on different text messages I've gotten from people I know in college sports. But even even as 
you know, like I've had talk, I've had conversations with people over the last year, year and a half, two years, whatever it's been, who, who've told me that, you know, like that, that, that the university feels good about its position. They feel good about the argument that they presented at the hearing back in May. But when this decision came through uh, on uh, Tuesday morning, um, they kind of, the, the, the air in the room was like, is that it? Is there more? Is there is there more? Are there more pages on the fax machine? You know, like that sort of that sort mm-hmm. of sentiment. Um, you know, it, it's it's been established now that Memphis kind of got wind on Monday that this was coming on Tuesday, uh, and and I can I can also tell you that uh, you know, and and Penny Hardaway may not say this publicly, but he was noticeably. Uh, on edge Monday um, mm. after after learning that this was after mm. learning that this was coming down the pike on Tuesday. So um, makes sense. It, it was surprising to to a lot of people. Yeah. No. And it, it's it's interesting looking back now. It's like th- you know almost three years since that fateful night um, in November. Because um, I've looked back. You know, it's interesting. Because the two, the two, I guess, big revelations in this 73 pages, one was that basically this IRP panel determined, basically called this entire investigation kind of bogus because they basically said this rule that you said Penny violated was not, he did not violate. They totally absolved him of, of any sort of uh, guilt uh, in all of that. And then the second revelation involved uh, the fact that Memphis, according to this report, did not inform Penny Hardaway that James Wiseman was ineligible ahead of the opening game of the season. Um, And so I wanted to dive into that real quick because before we move on to actual basketball, because I found this all really interesting because I look back to that night, like I was one of the people I wrote and I continued to write, Jason, like, I thought playing James Wiseman against the wishes of the NCAA was foolish, uh, you know, and I, and frankly, I still kind of, I still believe that even though this, this worked out for Memphis, but I certainly think Memphis's strategy to fight this all the, all the way, fight this tooth and nail to stand up to the NCAA. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not, I think they, there's no way getting around the fact that it was, you know, whether it's David Rudd or the university as a whole, like this worked out really well. Like it ended up being a very good strategy. Um, but I do find it interesting when you read through this 73 page report, um, the details of it, um, because we had all focused on that night when they played UIC and James Wiseman went to court, got the temporary injunction um, and they played him. But really, it centers around the first game because what the IRP did, and this goes against NCAA sort of precedent, they basically said, well, Memphis played him in those two games against UIC and Oregon, played Wiseman because he had um, because he had a temporary injunction from a Shelby County court. Precedent from the NCAA previously was that it doesn't matter if you have an injunction, they're still that doesn't matter to them ultimately. Um mm-hmm. And so and so I think part of this is a byproduct of, 
you know, part of this decision is a byproduct of the passage of time. Like there's now, you know, in the three years since this all happened, the IRP started and Memphis became the first case and NIL became a thing. You know, basically everyone's getting paid in college basketball now legally. Um, it's, you know, and there's no real set rules. And oh, by the way, the IRP is being dissolved, which kind of neuters whatever power of their decision, you know, power within their decisions. But if you read through all the details, it sounds like Memphis was told, according to the IRP report, on October 31st, their unit, the general counsel of the university, Melanie Murray, was told on October 31st, James Wiseman is ineligible. And according to the report, again, it sounds like she didn't either didn't understand that they were telling her he was ineligible or just decided to ignore that and and cite, you know, and side with some other interpretation of what was happening and didn't actually tell David Rudd until November 5th, the morning of November 5th, the morning of Memphis's season opener against South Carolina State where James Wiseman looked unbelievable. Didn't tell Rudd until the morning of that game when Rudd was about to board a plane. And so Rudd couldn't tell Laird Veach until he landed that James Wiseman was ineligible. And that message didn't get to Penny until after the South Carolina State game was played. Now, right. One that's pretty incredible incompetence, it feels like, from a compliance standpoint for Memphis. Okay. But two, it also just doesn't really sound all that believable. But here's again where they got the benefit of this kind of neutral party, non-NCA party here in the case. Like, they believed it. And so, like, honestly, like, you talk about all these little details and people have harped on them, you know, national media especially. But like, they don't matter. It doesn't matter. And but it was just wild to me hearing all that laid out um, in this report because I do believe if there had been a competent compliance and support around Penny Hardaway when he was first hired, when he was recruiting James Wiseman, it feels like to me when you read through this report, they could have avoided a lot of this if they had educated him properly. If they had asked him questions about his relationships with players when he was first hired, which seems obvious in retrospect, given his, you know, he was this prominent AAU coach. Like, it just feels like a lot of this could have been avoided. Um, and a lot of money and a lot of time wouldn't have been wasted. Because that's really the end result here. Everyone involved with this, whether it's fans, media, Memphis, the NCAA, it feels like when, now that we know the result, everyone just wasted a whole lot of time, energy, and money investigating this. Yeah, and I and I hear that, and and you know, but you you say that had they had the compliance, you know, all that's had 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 it been better at the time of Penny Hardaway's hire, then we wouldn't even be here. But at the same time, it, it, uh, that's ultimately what got them, you know, saw them through to the other side and, 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 you know, kept them from getting the hammer dropped on them, you know, like that. I you mean, think you their know. incompetence partly play the, the incompetence, the, the, the incompetence of the, uh, 
of the of the athletic department at the time, if you will, or the compliance staff, whatever you want to call it, played played to their favor ultimately. Ultimately, at the very least, I think it is what largely helped absolve Penny Hardaway. Besides his, Mm -hmm. you know, demonstrated, well-documented, extensive philanthropic uh, efforts, um, you know, for for a very long time. You know, I know that was a big part of it. Um, But but ultimately, the fact that he was able to sit back and say and everybody else apparently was able to say, uh, well, he didn't know any better. And we, because we didn't tell him any, we didn't, we didn't make mm-hmm. sure he knew better. Um, that's ultimately, you know, a big reason why he didn't shoulder really any of the blame for any of this. And yeah, as you said, that's that seems like uh, common sense one here. Um, and and so you know, I don't know. Yeah, all's well that ends well, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I'm just you know, it's like it's good for pennies vindicated. You know, I think David Rudd to a certain extent, you know, like I, I you know, ultimately the, the way this all played out, it seems like he uh, he comes out looking very good in all of this as well, too. But in terms of like I was just more happy for the fan base when this happened yesterday because they just didn't deserve another gut punch from the NCAA for something that seemed pretty, you know, meh. When all when all said and done, especially given the current landscape of college sports where everyone's getting paid, um, I was just happy that now this cloud is lifted. You know, the program, frankly, you could make the argument outside of that summer, that off season leading into the Wiseman year when they brought in the number one class. Like, feels like the program's got incredible momentum now. In that you're coming off. Your first NCAA tournament appearance in seven years. First NCAA tournament win in seven years. You just got the number one transfer from the transfer portal this offseason. Um, and now, and you 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 got out of this pickle, if you will, looking better than you could have ever imagined, I think, frankly. Even the most optimistic could not have expected what happened. And I just feel really good for the fans that they can – they, they, everyone can kind of move on, but like it just looks incredibly bright. And this fan base, which has been so loyal, so dedicated to this program, um, can finally just worry about the basketball. It doesn't have to be, well, they made the NSA tournament, but what happens about this IRP thing? Or, oh man, they got they got they got Kendrick Davis, but oh man, what if they can't make the tournament because of the IRP? Like, there's no more of that BS. Like, we can move past it, and it's like just. Okay, how does this team gel together? How good can Kendrick Davis be? You know, what you know, what does DeAndre Williams have in store when he's for his 26 year old year? You know, like we can just focus that fans and everyone can kind of just move like focus on that and not have to worry about the what ifs, worry about this, you know, this bomb that could have exploded on the program. Um I I just felt I felt good for the relief fans must be feeling now, now that they can really just, you know, they can just focus on this season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think uh, there are a lot of winners in, in, you know, because of the outcome uh, of this, of this, but I do think you're right. I think that the, uh, that the fan base is ultimately, I mean, you know, you feel good for the players um, who have had to, you know, look over their shoulder 
in a manner of speaking, uh, for the last at least you know a year, whatever how long it's been, you know they've been kind of looking over their shoulder, uh, wondering you know what's next, what's going to happen, all that stuff, and like that's probably un- that's it's not probably it is unfair to them, but yeah, I think ultimately uh, the the fans are really uh, the biggest winners here. Yeah, absolutely. So now we get to talk about the season. Jason, practice is underway. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Friday afternoon uh, is the uh, they're going to have an open practice for Memphis Re- the Memphis Rebounders. We'll be there as well. We'll get a bird's eye, you know, a close up look of this team. Um, but give us a little uh, sense, Jason, of what you're hearing behind the scenes. What your thoughts are? Biggest storylines of this Memphis basketball preseason with, I believe, eight new players. Um, uh, what, what say you, what are the big storylines you're going to be tracking this preseason, uh, for the Tigers ahead of their season opener against Vanderbilt? Uh, I mean, you know, Kendrick Davis is, is probably at the, at the top. Um, you know, I, I would say he's, what would you say? Top five, top six point guards in the country this season. Um, you know, Something like that. What do you say? Top Maybe five, I, top I don't. I I don't have a good sense of the rest of the country, to be quite honest. To like, he certainly he's the reigning he's the reigning AAC Player of the Year. So he's certainly yeah. on paper the best player in the AAC. Like you know, right that's, now that's that to me is a huge storyline. Like if you put it into context, you know, obviously, and we've done this over the course of the last however many months since he signed, but like. You know, Penny hasn't had an elite point guard ever, you know, really. Uh, you know, Jeremiah Martin had a fantastic senior season, um, but even he doesn't have the career stats that, that uh, Kendrick Davis already has. Um, so, you know, like that that is obviously going to be one of the biggest storylines. What is he going to do for like, you know, how does he how does he change things on the court for Penny Hardaway and for uh, the Tigers, you know, like, like what kind of impact is he going to have? How, how much better is, could he make somebody like DeAndre Williams? How, how, you know, we, we examined this a little bit when, when Alex Lomax announced that he was coming back for another season, but like, how do they uh, mesh, you know, like how does Penny put those two, you know, like, when they're on the court together, how does that work out? Um, another one of the big storylines, obviously, is Demaria Franklin, the uh, transfer guard from Illinois, Chicago. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about what he's shown since he got on campus. Um, you know, the 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 staff and and his teammates uh, are, are frankly raving about what he's uh, showing them uh, so far. Um, so, you know, it's up in the air still what he is, you know, whether he's going to actually be able to play this season or not. He's already transferred once and used his free transfer waiver. So he's going to have to get a, uh, you know, he's going to have to get a, a, a an appeal. He's going to have to appeal and, and get that granted uh, in order to play this season. And if he does, you know, what does that mean for the lineup? Uh, does that mean that Keontae Kennedy is going to slide to the three is Keontae Kennedy going to be at the three anyway because uh, because of the loss of Emmanuel Acott? Um, who's going to play center? Is it going to be Malcolm Dandridge? Is it going to be KO? 
the six ten guy uh, from from the six ten. Um, UT Arlington. Yeah, from UT Arlington, who's I think he's fifth in the country among active players in career blocks. I mean, I've talked to some people. The, the way it's been phrased to me is that, you know, the videos are one thing. The videos that you see on social media of him jumping and t- touching the top of the backboard and all that stuff and putting his chin on the rim and everything like that. The videos are impressive. It's nothing compared to what it's like in person, that he is just an athletic freak. He's the fastest guy on the team. Um you know, he 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 is a threat on every defensive series to block a shot. And on every offensive possession, he's a threat to dunk the ball. Like, like he's just, you know, he's got a lot of potential. And so, like, is that is he gonna realize that, you know, like is there gonna be a learning curve for him because he's, you know, uh, come from different places. He played NAIA uh first. And then he went to UT Arlington. He took a year off in there somewhere. So that's another like, are they gonna are they gonna let DeAndre Williams play the five some? They did that two years ago, uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, he played some five and it worked really well. Um, he didn't do it as much last year because of Jalen Duran, but uh, you know, is he gonna play some five? So uh, yeah, I mean, th- those are probably yeah. some of the the biggest storylines that I'm anxious to see uh, play out. Yeah. And I think in general, they all coalesce on, there's a lot of new faces on this team. Yes. Deandre Williams is back. Malcolm Dandridge is back. Alex Lomax is back. Jaden Hardaway's back. You got the Lawson brothers back, but a lot of new faces on this team. And we've seen the last couple of years, you know, the one thing Penny hasn't really gotten a handle on yet as a coach is, getting off, you know, having his teams playing well early in the season. Um, They've played exceedingly well as the season progresses. Um, And it's been really impressive how he's gotten his teams to improve as seasons progress. But with the way the schedule stacks up this year and the, the relative strength of the league outside of Houston this year, you know, they, they more so than ever feel like they really need to hit the ground running. They go at Vanderbilt, at St. Louis to start the year, then VCU at home. Then they go to Orlando um, for that uh, for a Thanksgiving tournament. They'll play Seton Hall and then maybe um, Oklahoma and some other decent teams. So they they need to get the chemistry right quickly. And so that's something to me. I don't know how you go in terms of like making sure that's happening, but. Penny's got to try something different, I think, this year. And whatever that is, I'm excited to see what it is um, because he's admitted that, you know, it took too long to get the chemistry together the past couple years. So, um, and I think that folds into everything you were saying, Munz. That's like kind of the overarching thing to watch. Like, how does this team come out of the gates? Because I think that's going to be very important for their success this season. Yeah, and it's not just players, right? I mean, he's got an entire new uh, coaching staff. Yeah, all three of his assistants are new. So, like, you know, it's impossible to predict whether that means there's going to be some bumps in the road or because you've got Frank Haith uh, by your side now and because you've got uh, Faraji Phillips by your side now. Like, does that mean – uh, and, and and Andy Borman being the third one, like, does that mean that you're going to, uh, you know, are you going to be that much better for it, or are there going to be some bumps in the road? I mean, like I said, it's impossible to predict. Well, we, you know, we'll have to like 
wait and see what happens. And then we'll, you know, then, then it'll be easy to judge, uh, to, to figure it out. But, um, but that, again, it's not just players. You got a lot of, a lot of new pieces on the coaching staff. Yeah. Well, lots of intrigue and it's, you know, it's good to be talking hoops. No more, no more acronyms, Jason. Uh, we're done with that stuff. IARP, IRP, um, all that BS. Um, yeah, I have, I, I have one question, Mark. Okay. Can I turn off the notifications on the Twitter notifications for the NCAA account, the inside the NCAA account? I think if you want to, you can, but if you want to, if you want just a reminder of what we just made it through as a community, yeah. as a fa- you know, um, you can do it, you know, maybe it'll give you some PTSD. Um, and it ended up, you didn't even get it from that NCA account anyways, the, the news. So I, I would say you're safe to turn off those notifications. All right, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Um, we're going to be at the open practice Friday evening, uh, with, and we'll have detailed reports, out of it over at commercialappeal.com and uh we'll start doing this podcast regularly hopefully we'll be back next week we'll give you some more thoughts on our observations uh on this team we also found out uh pro days coming up neck a week from thursday so probably the next time we join you we'll be talking about pro day and the open practice so it's heating up tiger basketball season is here the iarp is in the rearview mirror um penny hardaway has a brand new team and uh it feels like uh it's an it's it's as as exciting a time to be a memphis basketball fan as it has been in a while so uh can't wait to chronicle the season uh for y'all um and we'll have tons of coverage at commercialappeal.com every day all day throughout the season till next time i was mark that was jason thanks so much for joining us and uh R.I.P. I.A.R.P. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.